0: And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys.
1: Hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 119 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Monday, February 22nd, 2016. All right, folks, this week is the Academy Awards on Sunday this coming, uh, the big awards show for the last year in Hollywood films. There are eight films nominated for Best Picture this year. Among them, we have The Big Short, a film about a disaster to the economy starting in 2008 and some guys who inexplicably came out ahead. In content marketing, we call that the native advertising story. Then there's Bridge of Spies, a story of Tom Hanks as a lawyer trying to figure out who's really a spy and who's not or is recently retitled, The HubSpot Chronicles. Then there's The Room. After being kept in a room uh, prison, uh, unable to see any pleasure in the world, a boy gets to experience the outside world for the first time, or as Joe might call it, the Cleveland Brown story. Then there's The Revenant, the story of a man whose passion left for dead, and he goes on a quest for revenge for those who betrayed him, or better known as the story of digital marketing. And of course, there's The Martian, a story about an intrepid astronaut who's mistakenly proclaimed dead and his thrilling will to survive in the brutal atmosphere of Mars while he awaits rescue, or as we might call it, the business case for content marketing. But of course, here at PNR, we love all those Oscar moments. It makes us fall in love again with the movies all over again. All right, maybe not Fantastic Four, or Ted 2, or Pan, or that stupid FIFA movie, or Entourage, or Mordecai. Oh, Mordecai. But anyway, most movies, most movies we fall in love with all over again. As marketers, we're rooting for that underdog. We're rooting for more millionaires to give golden statues to each other. We're rooting for Leo to finally win an Oscar and give his life some meaning. We're rooting for Sylvester Stallone to win for acting, just because, you know, Sylvester Stallone winning for acting. We're asking, how will John Travolta pronounce whomever's name he'll have to pronounce this year? And why must the show be four hours long? And who will be the actor that seems to be in some midlife crisis? And most importantly, most importantly, who will Jennifer Lawrence be wearing? The answer to all those questions and getting this Oscar week show underway... I'll need to bring in my friend, my co-host, my colleague, the Cecil B. DeMille Award winner for content marketing contributions to a major motion picture, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. How was your week, my friend? It was great, other than the fact that I had a wisdom tooth pulled, and I feel like I got punched in the mouth, which is a frequent occurrence for me, But you know, <laughs> but, this, but this time not so virtual. <laughs> Do you think you can battle through another episode of PNR? Absolutely. I am here for the audience. I am happen. here with my little jaw... Sore, but I am
0: here in spirit, and I am here ready to rock and roll. Hey, uh, really quick, speaking of uh, The Martian, uh, of course, you know we have Andy Weir, the author of... I cannot wait. Uh, he is the closing keynote at Intelligent Content Conference, and the good folks at CMI Marketing uh, wanted me to mention, we actually have, they've given us at PNR 10 coupon codes, believe it or not. What? I know. So... If you are a listener to this and you need to be at Intelligent Content Conference, which is March 7th through 9th in Las Vegas, we have – I believe these are $400 coupon codes, which I think it takes you back to early bird rate. And we've got 10 of them. Monetization, fun, and
1: recreation. (laughs) Monetization, fun, and recreation. Oh, don't give me on that. So
0: if if anyone uh, listening to this would like to join us and we'd love to see you there at Intelligent Content – a great lineup of including Mr. Andy Weir. We have uh, – just use the hashtag This Old Marketing on Twitter and let us know that uh, – you know you can say, send it to me, but make sure you use the hashtag This Old Marketing and say, Joe, I want one of those awesome coupon codes for Intelligent Content Conference and I'll get back to you. The <laughs> first 10, the first 10 – they've only given me 10 though. All right. I really, I really wanted more than that, but you know, I guess we can only do 10 at this discounted price. So make sure you tweet us up. At this yep. old marketing hashtag, and I'll get those out to you. And we'd we'd love to see you there, and I'm excited. And of course, the gentleman by the name of Mr. Robert Rose is presenting the opening <laughs> uh-huh.
1: keynote. Yeah, don't let that sway you, folks. I, no, really, I don't. You don't have to come see me. Yeah. I think I get to introduce
0: you, which is <laughs> oh, nice. always a pleasure because yeah. you always introduce me, so I get yeah. to introduce you. So, very good. Do we uh, did we have some news this week? We at all? did have news. We had
1: a cornucopia, oh. a plethora. A an abundance of news this week. Yes, indeed. So we've picked a few stories here and see how many we get to. Um, our first story that we just want to mention really quickly here because it is eh, kind of breaking news at this point. It happened a couple of days ago. Contently uh, acquires Docalytics. Um, this comes to us courtesy of Adweek.com and really reports the idea that Contently has acquired Docalytics. Contently has purchased for an undisclosed sum to ramp up its data offerings for publishing-minded business-to-business clients. In the increasingly competitive content marketing space, Contently hopes to offer customers better actionable results. Data is key to B2B marketers, and this allows us to provide them with data that no one else can, said Joe Coleman,
0: CEO of New York-based Contently. So
1: any comment on this, uh, my friend? Is well, this, I, uh,
0: I mean, I think we're going to see more and more of this. You and I have been talking about it. I ex- would fully assume that. Every couple weeks on the show, we'll be talking about yeah. these things, especially when it comes to. It seems like uh, these content marketing platforms, as they call it, are starting to you know buy any type of companies, analytics companies that can show content attribution, and yeah. it's just going to continue to happen. Whether that gets into Search plays, analytics plays, data plays, you're going to see more and more of that. The market is ripe for it. It's time. There's so many, as as our good friend Scott Brinker likes to show, there's so many content marketing technologies out there. Of course, we've got content tech coming up this week talking about that exact thing. So it's it's just a matter of time now, and 2016 is going to be the year of these types of purchases, in my opinion. I think you're right. I
1: think you're absolutely right. And, you know, full disclosure, obviously, Contently is a not a sponsor of this show. Uh, but Why aren't they a sponsor a of this show? I we don't gotta, know. We're going to have to talk to But, yeah, Shane, they're a great sponsor of Shane. A great Come on, um, yes, indeed, they are a great friend and family of the of, of of CMI more broadly, and I happen to know the folks at Docalytics and have met them before um, when I was out in the lovely Saint Paul, Minnesota area. Got to meet with them and see their technology, and I have to say it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. It's 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 um, it's interesting because it basically looks at documents, right? So it looks at analytics on documents like PDFs and eBooks and that sort of thing. So it's a, it's, it's more than just web analytics and it's, and I have to say, I think this is smart for Contently to go down this road because this is, you know, I I have lamented that I thought Contently was moving down sort of the journalism route, sort of helping journalists sort of maintain their careers and that sort of thing. And I think moving more toward
0: the marketer side of the house is a smart move for them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to continue. Because the marketing people have money, yeah. Exactly. And the, the, the journalist people don't, and we love journalists, but they don't. And they don't have yes, the money. That is, there's which is, a ne- which is why, which is why media companies can never compete <laughs> and yes. with corporate enterprises <laughs> exactly. on this basis because that they just absolutely. don't have the budgets. Sorry.
1: All right, moving on to our next story here. Um, so this one is a fascinating story. And this says, uh, Facebook says anybody can now use instant articles now. Dun, dun, dun. Anybody. Like we didn't see this one coming. Oh. Anybody. This one coming to us directly from Facebook uh, itself with their release. And as they say, we're excited to announce. Why do all press releases start like that? I've, I've, just for a second, I have to rant about something. Can we just start press releases Without, we're honored to do, or we're excited to, or we, anyway, just, we're
0: proud a, to announce. We're proud
1: to announce, and then the big—it's like somewhere we got this in our minds that press releases have to fit some like format.
0: But anyway, we're horrified, to, yeah. communicate. We're horrified be, to communicate. We're horrified to communicate with that be you. Awesome? Yeah, exactly. This is a, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, yeah. but
1: <laughs> apparently they're excited to announce that on April twelfth at Facebook's F eight conference they'll be opening up the instant article program to all publishers, any size, anywhere in the world. To date, they've only been working with about a few hundred publishers around the world to build an incredibly fast and immersive reading experience, so says Facebook. And we're getting feedback and making improvements to them. And in parallel, we've been building the tools to open up Instant Articles more broadly, and they're going to open it up to everybody. So what do you think? Is this a good idea? Is this them becoming Medium? Is this them becoming
0: LinkedIn? Or you know, what do you think about this? Well, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we 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 talked about this happening <laughs> right when this we when they it. initially yeah. launched this program we said well this is just the test run of course because they're going to open it to the entire world because they want everyone publishing on their own platform what i love about this is they position this as oh this is for the good of the users <laughs> right. because right. we because yeah. we want faster load times right uh, It it doesn't help us at all we're just gonna you know We we feel we we must do it for users. I just think it's so funny. No, this is we talked about this before the show. Uh, LinkedIn did this with their influencer program, of course. Medium, we've been talking about that many episodes on that one, and uh, I don't know. I I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm I'm almost. I think the title of this episode should be something like. You know, is Facebook the devil? Because I think that they're just going to <laughs> t- they're going to try to swallow every you know, and they have the power yeah. to do it. They absolutely can go to any one of these media companies and say, "Hey, you know what? You need to pub- be publishing on our platform because this is this is the new web is on Facebook, and you need to publish here." And I'm I'm actually I, I see the I see the positive upside for both sides. Don't get me wrong, I'm a, I'm a realist, but I don't like it for the open web.
1: No, I don't either.
0: Yeah. Because more and more publishers, what they're going to do is they're going to say, mm, we don't have to have this stuff live on our own platform. We can publish it just on Facebook and survive. And I know if we get to it, we're going to talk a little bit about BuzzFeed later. Yeah. But you know, BuzzFeed obviously started with their own website, published really well on social. But I think I saw a stat somewhere that 75% of the articles they publish – or the content that they publish is not on their own platform it's on other people's platforms like a Facebook this could become the rule and not the exception and that's what scares me and and if this is what you know publishing reality is going to be on the social networks maybe this is it but I don't want to be defeatist about it but it's this good
1: it's, well, it's not good for the open web. That's that's for well, absolute yeah. sure. It's, that's it's that's, for, that's for sure. It's great for Facebook. <laughs> it might be good for uh, some people who want to create content on a platform And are looking at a wider audience to be able to do that because, of course, you have to figure you're going to be able to promote your content, pay for that promotion through ads and and all that, and basically stay within the walled garden that is Facebook and basically build your business or build a program. And God help you if they ever decide to change the rules and go back to only X, you know, some level of publishing. You know, because if I'm, here's the thing if I'm a publisher, if I'm one of the few hundred that was really part of the, I hate this. I hate the fact that Facebook is opening it up to everybody because now that means I'm now competing with the world instead of competing with the few hundred other publishers to get my content seen. And, and so it's interesting. I, 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 what would have been interesting to me is that if Facebook had said, we're going to open it up, but we're going to open it up to once you've achieved some level of, of audience. Um, or something like that, which would have, I think, you know, I well, think would have gotten, gotten more of a backlash. But I think it would have been it, it would have been more interesting for publishers. What are the, what are the qualifications
0: to become a publisher? You just None. have to zero. No. That's you Anybody it. can yeah, do yeah, it. Just, anybody yeah, can, anybody do, can do it. Right. I mean, yeah. It's you, you. As soon as you type a word, you're a publisher. So here here we go. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean and, and it's interesting, we've talked about this before, but in the press release itself they talk about but as the pub the publisher will have full control over all the tools and the uh analytics and, and anytime I see that I'm like, Whoa, what you know, what does that mean? That means full control for now, maybe. Yeah, it, it means that the rules are going to change. So I guess I would say if you're going to test this out, I think that's fine. But don't expect that the rules that you're going to sign up with now are going to be the rules in six months, 12 months, 18 months.
1: That's right. That's right. Expect those rules to change and expect your content to not be there tomorrow when you wake up. And as long as you have that expectation, when yeah. it doesn't, you're happy, right? And if you do have that expectation and it happens, then you're like, ah, no big deal. I got this thing over here and it, and it goes away. So use it for what it's good for and use it, test it, figure out if it starts to draw in and help you build an audience. And then, you know, and then and use it for, you know, use it. Don't let it use you.
0: How about that? <laughs> yeah, and it's very <laughs> it's very much about now because if you publish content on Facebook, okay, you're going to get what you get for that short period of time unless you advertise that ongoing, but then it's, you know, it's sort of gone. It's well, that's a, of, I, that's a great point. That's a you don't point. Ha, you don't have yeah. a. I mean, we always talk. Is about it this. available?
1: Is it available over Google Search? Like, can you find? No, old? I don't think it
0: is. Okay. I do not. I do not think that they are uh, indexed in search. So yeah, where, well, they're I mean, indexed in, the in ben- Facebook search, but they're not indexed in exactly in, Google search, in Facebook, but right? but not in Google. So where a lot of the benefit is from consistent content creation is getting found. Of course, search later down the road, and I don't. And this is not there for that. So.
1: That's a great point, actually, because it speaks to if you're if you're creating something that you don't care. In other words, it's not evergreen. It's very topical in nature, and it's going to disappear from your site. It's going dis- to but you're really looking for to capture some small zeitgeist of something that's going on in the conversation. It might be a great place to do that, right? It might be. That's a that's a really yeah. great
0: point. Well, you actually. have to. So let's say that you create a piece of content. And it, let's say, it goes viral, whatever that means, and then it sort of simmers down. If you yeah. want that to repopulate or repost, you you have to go reactivate the program. You have to go get that content and then reactivate, put some dollars behind that, promote that, and get that back into the system in some way. Right? Because or you just using a fine? Well, you just use it as a newsjacking method, right? Yeah. You
1: use it. You could use just use it to for the kind of content that you want to. Newsjack with you know something about the academy awards for example or you know and, and all of that and you can use it as a means to inject the conversation into your content strategy i like that that's actually a really interesting idea
0: was that your idea
1: no, that's your idea. I like oh, that idea. I didn't know I had any new ideas. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Let's move <laughs> off. Let's move off the Facebook gauntlet, shall we? Let's do that. Okay. This was a news story that broke last week, quite literally, as we were going to record. So we didn't get a chance to analyze it and look at it before we actually did last week. So it comes from last week's news, but it is a really interesting story, and it comes to us courtesy of DigitalTrends.com, and the headline is BBC the sort of juggernaut in the UK, BBC dropping television and radio divisions. So that's a grab-you headline if there ever is one. Uh, the story starts out by saying, London-based broadcasting giant BBC is planning to drop its channel-based television and radio divisions to help reshape the company's future for content and audience-led divisions. The Telegraph reports that the news will be unveiled in a speech by BBC General uh, Director General Lord Tony Hall. Uh, so I love the fact that in the UK you get titles like Lord, right? I want to be Lord Robert Rose. I think you should I, be Lord Robert. I think I should Lord, be Lord Robert Lord Rose. Lord Robert.
0: Uh, yeah. (laughs) It doth bequest the the (laughs) series of native advertising Come on now. I mean,
1: that's that's fantastic. Lord Robert Rose, this may be the largest organizational overhaul in the broadcaster's 93-year history. So this fascinated me. I don't know if you had a take on this, but... Basically, what did you think about this uh, this article?
0: Um, and did you have a take on? Well, it? I want I want to get your take because I was sure think, I do have is, one. This is this is Hollywood's take, Lord Hollywood. I'm going to call you for the rest <laughs> of the show. So I have I have the three things I thought were well. One, this is a, a re-organ, internal reorganization, and it's no news. Two, it, right. it could be the future of their business, and it could be uh, uh, there's a lot of foresight in this fantastic move or it could be uh in 12 months boy did they really screw this up like so i guess Mm -hmm. i've got i've got all my bases covered i'm just like i don't know if this is right or not uh i mean even just by reading some of the comments they're saying oh well i you know a lot of people aren't getting the you know that still have just television if you just have just television and you're not necessarily connected to the internet this is not good for that Audience, because they're not going to get a lot of this content the way they were getting. And you can read it from the consumers that are posting. So, but, I mean, you, you think it's a good move?
1: I think it's an extraordinarily good move. I think it's a gutsy move, and I think it's, uh, you know, So, and let me tell you how I think okay. it applies I wanna, I wanna to, it. to businesses today, because I think it's, I think this is an incredibly important article for content marketers that are building a process in their business. Okay. Could I tee that up with any more sort of bated breath? Oh my God. Okay. Anyway, so here's what I think. I love this because what they're doing is they're reorganizing – so we've talked about this on the show maybe – it was maybe a year ago or so where we talked about, you know, if we think about it, television, right? So television – and you can lump radio into this as well. Is television an appliance or is it a service, right? So is it – in other words, is it an appliance that sits on my wall, a television, or is it a service that I get from a provider, because what they're, not, they're not saying that, we're gonna, that, they're, that they're going to stop doing video content or they're no. going to stop doing audio content broadcast. <clears throat> they're saying that they're going to re, stop reorganizing themselves around channels and platforms. And rather, they're going to reorganize themselves around audiences and content. And I think that is just so perfect for the world that we now live in in marketing, where what we've done over the last 15 years <clears throat> is organize ourselves around technology and platforms right? If you think about it, in the business today in marketing, we have social media teams, and we have web teams, and we have email teams, and we have print teams. In some cases, we have the television teams, we've got social CRM teams, we've got customer service, PR teams, brand teams. We have organized ourselves for the last 15 or 20 years around the emergence of technologies and platforms. And what happens is, is that we get siloed into those platforms. And so the social teams only think about social media. They only think, about Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and all of that, and the web teams only think about the website, and the email teams only think about email as a distribution method. We don't think about content, and we don't organize ourselves around the audience. And so if we're going to scale to this sort of ever-fluid environment that we live in, we have to start thinking about reorganizing ourselves around audiences, customers, and that, uh, and actually, the content, the content that we 're creating, what kind of content that we 're creating, and to me, this is sort of a media company leading the way, saying, yes, we recognize that organizing ourselves around channels and platforms is ill advised in today 's world. We have to reorganize ourselves even just internally, as the guy said the <laughs> lord hall right he said we 're trying what we 're trying to do is quote flatten the corporation 's labyrinthine management structures, and that 's such a great metaphor for where we are in business today. If you think about digital marketing, there's digital marketing and regular marketing in many companies, right? Yeah. Why do we have a VP of digital marketing and a VP of regular marketing? Somebody there is out of place. Somebody at some point is going to report to the other. And if you don't know which one you are in that company, then you've got to find it. out because <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, because at some point that's, you know, it's Noah's Ark and, and there's one too many on the boat. And so we have to think about this and reorganizing ourselves
0: around content and audiences. And I love the fact that the BBC is sort of leading the way here. Well, from that, anyway, th- yeah. from that standpoint, I would agree. Uh, I mean, when when I was at Penton and, and even before that, they had the events group. They had the magazine group. They had the directories group. That just didn't make any sense to have different right. people. It, I mean, those are the outputs, but you're not focusing on the audience. And then we went to focus on content brand and audience. For each one, and, it may, and you, then underneath, and you
1: reorganized that way, and yeah, you they did. They ultimately
0: way? reorganized that way. Then you had the content brand, and that brand was focused on a specific audience. And then that brand, their products ended up being: oh, we have this event, we have this directory, we have this magazine, underneath how we communicate with that audience. But they they used to be separate. There used to be that's, just an yeah. events group, a centralized – and you you just didn't get as close close enough to the audience, and there was a lot of duplication of resources. Well, of course. There's
1: duplication of resources. There are silos that grow up where you're weirdly competitive with the people in the cube overform you, You know where you're like, no, I'm not sending my, my audience or my database your way because they might buy your stuff and not buy my stuff.
0: Well, that's where and, you've – and you've worked with a lot of, the, of these large enterprises that are siloed by product. Right. Even though the product may go – let's say there's two product group, two or three product groupings that actually communicate with the same audience. Well, they that's duplicate right. effort so much in that, and actually they confuse the issue a lot because you got one thing doing – communicating one thing to the same audience, and you got somebody down the hall that's doing something different, and they actually are on the same team, but they don't know. That's
1: it. exactly yeah. – that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So anyway, I, I think it's it's a great – it's it's a great sort of you know call it canary in the coal mine or call it a leading edge or call it something where as marketers we can start to see as our aspirations become to be and look and feel more like media operations here's a here's one of the oldest media companies in the world recognizing the fact that they have to reorganize themselves around audiences and content rather than channels and platforms and i think it's just a i think it's an incredible now to your to your point they may go, this is stupid ultimately, you know, in hindsight, this may be bad, but I think in terms of being forward leaning and,
0: and, and innovative, I, I I like it very much. No, I think it's, I, from what you said, I think it's the right move that sometimes when you have this happen, and I've been involved in a lot of media companies that have done this, you get somebody that's leading that group that has a distaste for a certain type of medium. So they say, oh, well, shoot, magazines aren't the future. Yeah, we're, Let's just right. kill those and let's just go all digital. Well, that's not the right move just because they don't like the magazine I mean, because we think we're our own, cus- we're our own audience. Yeah. And that's not the case. We actually have to figure out, okay, what makes the most sense for the business? What makes the most sense for the audience? So that's where I would, I would assume a lot of this would be if you get the r- wrong person leading a certain group. They would say, well, we're just not even going to focus on this traditional television as we've defined it in the past. It's, well it it it's away. a great
1: and it's a great point, right? Because the converse is also true in companies, right, where many businesses will hang on to platforms and technologies way longer than they should because there are people's jobs and responsibilities and teams associated with that technology. Yep. And if they were to jettison those platforms or technologies, those people would either be out of work or be moved into other roles. And so people go, you know, it's the classic story I had with a big enterprise marketer where they were going to do this new blog. And they had a whole team working on another blog that was really smart people, really, really actively engaged people. And the guy was like, well, how do I hire for this new blog? And I'm like, well, you've got five people. Just pull them off the dead blog and put them on another. He's like, no, I can't do that because they belong to the social guy. And if he moves his people in headcount, he loses budget. And it's like, no, no, no. See, that's just the wrong way to think. We have to be much more agile than that. We have to be able to move those people around in more fluid ways. Thank you, Lord Hollywood for that
0: I do I want my title I want lord in my title you want, can put it on your I, next time I, you do a business card printing yeah. that's what we're gonna do it's Fantastic. already done it's a, I've already sent it off to, great to JK I like it, I like it. All right. lord lord Robert Rose alright here we go
1: uh, <laughs> our next story comes to us courtesy of search engine journal and Joe, I'm not sure why this isn't bigger news. Um, Search Engine Journal is covering this. There's been a couple of other posts on this, but I, I haven't seen that much on it. Um, Google removes sidebar ads. I mean, that's big doings. They are, they are basically redesigning how Google behaves sort of holistically here. Um, it appears that Google will confirm the update only retroactively, says the article starting out. Uh, according to this SEM post, multiple AdWords representatives have confirmed the update calling it global and permanent, but Google has yet to publicly announce the change. Basically what they're doing is they're removing the entire sidebar uh, of all of those paid ads and will only have ads in the very upper part of the the main column and the lower part of the main column uh, at the end of each page i
0: this is this is a sea change right i mean am i wrong here am i overblowing this well well the first thing is do we know this is i mean if i just typed in a search just to double check, and there are ads on the right side so but you said it's not it's not on every search yet? Like what, what's the deal? here?
1: If I had to guess, they would be rolling it out and it doesn't say the date. um, But basically they have said that they're going to do it. Right. So as, as this article is quoting, it says multiple AdWords representatives, in other words, those who actually sell um, have confirmed the update and are calling it quote global and permanent, but they have not publicly announced this change yet.
0: Well, I mean, from a, From a mobile standpoint, it makes perfect sense. Of course. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. So now on a desktop standpoint, maybe. But, I mean, again, it's just like what we just talked about. They're preparing for the future. And they must have done the analysis and said, well, it's not going to hurt their revenues to do that. Since they're getting the majority of their revenues now on mobile, or it's coming in that way. So, Well, I think in January –
1: and we also – we didn't report on this story, but I think we mentioned it in a show a couple of episodes ago where we talked about – I think it was January of this year for the first time ever, uh, display ads surpassed search ads in terms of volume and money spent. So the search ad, I mean, and the mobile's a huge driver of that, of course, where, you know, search ads are now starting to decline and display ads are starting to take over. And I think mobile's a driver of that for sure. I mean, I I would for imagine. good or bad for well, good this or this.
0: Right? I mean, this this is an opportunity. If you do a good job at search, there there's there should be less competition from the ad side, yeah, in a stream. That's so right. So from that standpoint, because if I go right now, if I go do a search for, I just searched on desktop content marketing in Google. I'm looking right now at my screen. I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight ads, and one piece of content. Right now on my screen, three at the top, five on the side, and I haven't scrolled down yet. And right now I've got one piece of content at the top. Right. I mean, that's so, so if, if I'm, if it changes, um, that would, that would totally skew to more content. So better for the user, better for the SEO expert, I would assume. More
1: and more expensive real estate. Yes, like front, absolutely. Front page of Google so becomes more. Expensive. Hey, maybe
0: yeah, maybe they have everything everything just like your your cost per click price is just shot through the roof because you're yeah, well, you're right. fighting over less real estate.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: There you go. Get ready to pay more for better increase those search <laughs> budgets right now. Right there, you go. Seriously, yeah, you better no. double them. You're not going to get the same. Okay. Yeah, there we I go. think
1: this is a big deal. I think this is going to be a very interesting thing to follow because it it not only says something about content SEO and, and but it also says something about how we handle paid media as well and what we actually advertise for. Because because if you know, I don't remember how long ago it was, and it may actually be completely irrelevant now. But I remember um, back in the day when the search people would tell me they would say, look, you know, being in the right rail of the ads is okay. Where you really want to be is in that upper, upper slot, because that's where people mistake it for organic placement. And they also tend to click there more than they do in the right rail for those, for those ads. So that's, that's the premium real estate, right? So basically what they've done is they've, in the skyscraper, they've eliminated floors 1 through 28, and they're only keeping the top two floors. Of, of, of So it makes those top two floors very, very expensive.
0: Well, I think the way that it's going – I think that Google ads the way that they're going to work is more like Facebook does, where you go to a search, and you're not going to go to the next page. It's just going to be one streaming page, and you're right. going, it's going to just filter in every three or four. You're going to see an ad. Yeah that's what we're headed to. I haven't seen that yet because I believe now if I search on to Google with my iPhone that Mr. Trump has banned.
1: Uh, <laughs> did you see did you see the guy who tweeted him back and said uh Mr. Trump you tweeted this from your iPhone. Isn't
0: that something? <laughs> I love that I'm like, so much. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so anyways, yeah, no, I just wanted to double check here. I'm I'm just doing a search on my mobile and see right? So as I'm, if you search on your mobile device or on your smartphone device, you have to go to a second page. Right? You, you obviously don't do that in Facebook. You don't do that right. in other social apps. That's right. I'm wondering that's the next change. So they've yep. done this change out for the desktop. Going to mobile, the next change would you? You're just going to stream and stream and stream, and it never stops. Yeah. <laughs> so there you don't. There won't be a page two. You're gonna stream and stream and, It'll and stream. It'll be all about. Well, you always have to measure that, like we do as well. Like how many uh, search keywords are we on the first page for? Well, right. now it's going to be yeah. uh, how many? How many? Stri- I mean, how much? I don't know. How do you measure that? When people scrolling with their finger, right? Three finger rotations. <laughs> I mean, what is it? <laughs> I don't know. Seriously, I wanna, so does anybody con- know? Hashtag this old market? Con- yeah. What is con- it? What is it on the Three continuous scroll? Yeah, is
1: not page. Is it's it's it's, yeah. it's you're on a continuous scroll. So how, and how, how do you eight, even know? Yes. How do you even know? East yeah.
0: Side like what is it? Right. I want to know.
1: <laughs> Three finger flips. Oh, Three dear.
0: Fi- We're getting into hey.
1: dangerous territory. We're getting into dangerous territory. Let's yeah, move we, on to the we next don't, We don't know
0: nothing. Our, We're not search experts. Somebody's yes. going to call us out on this one.
1: Uh, well, okay. So speaking of ads, speaking of ads and, and finger flips, um, we have a wonderful, wonderful sponsor we should talk about because and they have
0: been fantastic for us. Absolutely. Uh, the month of February has been sponsored by AdStation. Uh, this this episode, we're talking about their content monetization checklist and worksheet that you can get at bit.ly.com slash adstation-monetization-checklist. So basically... Uh, As we've been saying this month, AdStation is a company that specializes in monetization efforts for content marketers, otherwise known as making money from your loyal subscribers without driving them away. So this week, they're offering a free worksheet, and it's really a content monetization checklist and worksheet. So it basically walks you through a checklist of all the things that you need to do to safely and effectively monetize your content from website to social to email. This worksheet arms you with the information you need to effectively earn money directly from your website the right way the safe way, Robert, Lord Robert. The safe way. <laughs> Thank great you. To, and it's great to have all this information in one spot. It is a handy guide. Download it when you can. Uh, you can really inventory your entire monetization strategy and start monetizing right away. Bitly.com/slash/AdStation-monetization-checklist. dash And thanks. It's a again. cool piece. Thanks again to AdStation yeah. for uh, for supporting us. Uh, we truly, truly appreciate it and couldn't do it without you.
1: Yeah, it's a cool piece. It's absolutely a cool piece. Go check it out for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for your favorite part of the show. It is our Rants and Raves segment where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like we just watched uh, The Big Short or something that makes us feel like we watched Mordecai. Yeah, that's right. Did you watch did you see- Mordecai? I did. Sadly, on an airplane, I watched that. So I shouldn't movie. watch it, is what you No, saying. you shouldn't. Not unless you want to scratch your eyes out and hope that you have 2 hours of your life back. Yeah, it's it's okay. it's a bad bad movie. I'll it just watch uh, I'll
0: just watch The Big Short.
1: Again. It's great. That that was a good movie. I I wasn't emotionally attached to that movie, but I'm glad I watched it cuz it was it was like a it was like a great documentary, right? You you you, yeah. you finish it and you're like angry. Have right? you seen it's, have you seen mm-hmm. Deadpool?
0: I haven't yet. Oh, I have. I, I really want to go see. It. It. I think yeah. you would dig it. Yeah, yeah really gotta, it is definitely for all those people listening. <laughs> it is definitely our. Definitely race. not for the Agans. They yeah. they close. It, they get close to NC 17 on this, and I'm not. Oh my goodness. It. Yeah. All right. Um, so I've I've got uh, a, a quick little rave here, and then just a commentary since you know it's our show, and I have a commentary, so I'm going to give a commentary. absolutely. Um, so this is this comes from an article actually, uh, Amanda Subler. Our uh, PR director sent this over to us. Uh, She did the great, you know, our great documentary, The Story of Content. She put that all together. This is from Media Shift and the articles You've Got Mail, again, Rethinking the Role of Email Newsletters. And it's just a really good article on how email is coming back in vogue and how young people are actually looking more toward email like you know you never hear that anymore and then there's these couple of really good case studies about uh, the younger generation creating emails engaging in emails but the one thing i wanted to, to talk about is specific to buzzfeed and it says email is an integral strategy for driving traffic even at cutting edge social media driven sites such as buzzfeed and this uh, this little quote comes from buzzfeed news reporter Katie Notapolis, I think I'm saying that right. And Katie says, "For media websites, a well done newsletter can be a crucial source of traffic. Consider this: the amount of traffic BuzzFeed gets from our newsletters is almost as much as we get from Twitter. Not just our own Twitter account, but all of Twitter. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, they have twelve email newsletters. One which we've talked about on the show is the Week in Cats. <clears throat> which how you cannot." want to get an email newsletter on The Week in Cats, I mean, come on. I, it's just, it's, <laughs> my, my
1: wife would like that. My wife this, would like yeah, that. The weekend Cats. This in Week in Cats. cats. And, yeah, they or have, This Week in Puppies,
0: more specifically. I think they have but, yeah. This Week in, in Dogs as well. Yeah. And This Week in other things that we won't talk about on the show. The second thing that I wanted to talk about was um, this is now – Again, this is completely qualitative. I have no substantive research behind this, Robert, but I've been been watching how my kids and their friends engage in longer-form content. Now, YouTube with them is big. Of course it's big. They have their favorite channels. They watch it incessantly. But when it comes to long-form content, specifically in written content in book form or longer articles, they always gravitate to print. And I'm just it's almost funny, I've just been noticing this. So this week both my sons, they had their choice to get a digital ebook uh that they could watch on their phone or they could read on their phones or their, their iPads, uh to get a digital ebook instead of the actual print book. And it wasn't even close. They both chose the book, the print book. And that meant it would take them longer to get the print copy, but they wanted to wait for the print copy. I just thought that was interesting. Even That's over even yeah. over like a Kindle version. So and the reason why i'm saying this is you can't go anywhere on the internet right now without somebody saying that the younger generation is all digital all the time and i'm not just you know seeing that in the case of my little world i think more proof is that we have i mean we have 3 print books in the house right now from youtube stars so it's just interesting the strategy of youtube stars then you know diversifying their strategy into actual print books and so i just you know my take on this is i believe that if you are targeting the younger generation with a particular message that there is an actual opportunity right now in print that I think a lot of businesses right now are are not seeing. So that's my, that's my qualitative, not substantiated opinion <laughs> on print for the younger generation. Thank you, you very go. much.
1: Thank you. <laughs> and
0: take a bow. And take a bow. <laughs> all right, what, what do you got this week? You got a rant right. this week. Kurt. I
1: do have a rant Ooh, this week, and I, I have a. I, I yeah, it's, it's 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 definitely a rant, and and hopefully a a bit of a a fun format um, as I've borrowed from one of my favorite authors of the past here. So okay, so the article that we'll link to in the show notes is uh, is this article from, and I, it's all in German, so I can't. I don't do the translation. I had Google Translate do a translation of it, so and it came out okay. At least I get the point of it. Um, but... The website is wuv.de. It's a German website. And basically, the Google Translate and what people have told me that it says, the Germans that I've spoken with, is, is basically that content marketing is a lie, is the article. And basically, the Google Translate says the author here holds to the alleged megatrend uh, is overrated, and he explains why content marketing can rarely ever work um, and basically why content has been this big lie that we've been told. And <clears throat> here's the thing. So this isn't the first time we've seen this article. It's not the last time we've seen this article. This is just the same old tired trope article that we continue to see. So what I wanted to do is instead of responding to this one in particular, which is just goofy, by the way, but instead of just responding to this one. I wanted to teach everybody out there how to write this, this article because it's the same recipe every single time. Every single time I see this, it's the same. Nobody has really a response to content marketing. What they have is a complaint against content marketing. Here's the recipe. So if you want to write your own content marketing sucks article, here's the recipe for how to do it. One, build a straw man argument that people are claiming that content marketing is the holy grail and should replace everything that the marketer is doing. Said no one ever, right? But, but nobody is ever saying that. But to start, that's where you need to start. Basically, you need to claim that content marketing is the holy grail and should replace everything, says all these places and link to them. Then two, in the body of your post, you need to proceed to list out examples of branded content, native advertising, pure advertising, direct marketing, basically everything except content marketing and call it content marketing and hold that as proof that it's just the same old stuff that we've been doing for 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years. Then say at the very end, voila, see, content's not a replacement. You have to rethink your position as a content producer and actually do something interesting and end your post and you're done. That's it. So to give you an example of this, I took a page out of one of my favorite authors of all time, Jonathan Swift, who, if you don't remember from school, he wrote a thing called The Modest Proposal, uh, which he basically proposed that impoverished uh, Irish uh, families might ease their economic troubles by simply selling their children off to rich people. <laughs> so, and it was called A Modest Proposal. It was a very famous piece. And so I bring you A Modest Proposal, Chocolate Cake is a Lie. See, chocolate cake is all the rage these days. Everybody seems to be eating it as a replacement for their dinner, their nutritious dinner. I mean, everybody's doing this, right? But what nobody's telling you, I'm going to tell you a secret that nobody's telling you, is the fact that there are now studies, including this one that I'm going to link here and here and here, they say if you eat chocolate cake, you're going to get fat. So really, chocolate cake, which you haven't heard, is only found. The only time you're going to find chocolate cake is as this sugary concoction of alcohol and chocolate frosting and ice cream and lard and butter and soap and bread. It's been around forever. We've been eating this forever. forever. It's been there forever. It's been everywhere. All these authors and pundits and chefs, all they're really trying to do is just drive this tired old food down our throat as a replacement for getting our nutrition. And of course, that's not productive. So... We've got to rethink our use of chocolate cake. It's a lie. It's not new, and it's not what we should be eating all the time. We should reduce the amount of chocolate cake we eat. And maybe, maybe, I'm going to be innovative here, maybe we should only eat it as a dessert. And even then, we should maybe only have a few bites. Because if we replace our meals with chocolate cake, we're all going to get fat. That's my
0: rant. That's today's rant. I uh, don't... uh, I'm, right, I'm in the mood for chocolate cake right now. Yeah, that's all I can fantastic. tell you. Exactly. It's, 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 <laughs> so you have to keep that handy because uh, next week there will be another article just like this.
1: There will. You can, and you can just dissect it. You can diagram it right out and it will – you know. which is what this article does, sadly. I mean he just basically goes on to talk about branded content and advertising and why that's, of course, everything we've been doing for all time. Now, content marketing, by the way, we've been doing for all time too, hence the name of this show. But it's different. It's different. It's different. It's different. It's different. And that's the point is that it's different. And we're nobody says – nobody responsible is saying that content marketing should replace everything you're doing. Content marketing is one piece, sometimes a small piece, sometimes a larger piece. It is one piece
0: of an integrated marketing and communication strategy. It's, it's just interesting that – we get we get uh, uh, put down a lot because they people believe that that's what we're saying that all oh, you need you just all you need is content marketing you don't need to do anything else and we've never said that it's just uh, it's just interesting that it, for a, for somebody that believes in content marketing why would you believe that that's all you need to do right I, I don't I don't but that's what these articles they almost all say to at and then right. they go ahead and compare. Well, we talked about this before on many shows where they'll say, oh, well, uh, you know, Coca-Cola only has 600,000 subscribers to their YouTube page or something like that. And they say, well, in comparison to BuzzFeed or New York Times. Right, it's, exactly. Uh, I'm like, you can't compare to me. You can't compare to an t- entirely different business model. Right.
1: We're not competing. Brands are not competing against mass media for popularity. That's the whole point. That's why you still do advertising. It's why you still do direct marketing. It's why you utilize the publishers where they're valuable for your strategy because they do reach a mass media. We create content so that it reaches our niche focused audience that cares about what we do. If I have 670,000 followers on YouTube, maybe it's a success, maybe it's not. I'm not Coca Cola, I don't know. What I do know is that 670,000 people that care enough to subscribe to my content, and that's a win.
0: You know, it was interesting, and before I get to this old marketing, you know, when I first started <clears> this business now over 16 years ago, when we looked at all the really good examples of content marketing out there, nobody ever heard of them. You never knew what they were because they were all targeted, targeted, right. exactly. and they weren't available That's on the right. web. Right. So That's unless right. unless the company was talking about it, you never saw it. They weren't on newsstands in it's a great the United point. States. So it's just it's funny a, how... It's a great point. Anyways, so... We I have this old marketing this week.
1: Fantastic!
0: I want to hear right, it. Let's let's. I know it. what I know what it is, and it's a good one. I know you do. So uh, again, but this is the the his Joe talks about his past in this episode one nineteen. So over ten years ago, uh, <laughs> while I was at uh, & Custom Media, we started working with a company called Altair. Engineering, A L T A I R. Now, Altair, if you don't know Altair, they're a leader in simulation software. So basically, they target mechanical engineers in manufacturing organizations, and their software works to make sure the component, the vehicle, the gear, or whatever works in a simulated environment before production begins. So instead of making a thousand prototypes, a company can do this in a computer simulation environment, which saves them millions and millions of dollars. So Altair's problem was is they wouldn't they they weren't able to get meetings with the right people in the organization. They were having some decent conversations with engineers who are the people that were using their products, but they couldn't get in to see the engineering management who made the decisions over simulation software. Sales cold calling wasn't working, trade shows didn't seem to be paying off, so they decided to create a magazine which became known as Concept to Reality magazine. Now, Concept2Reality Magazine focuses on, this is right from their website, cutting-edge design development, innovative product strategy, and global process automation issues, as well as promoting outside-the-box competitive business solutions. Experts in broad industry classes share technology insights, industry trends, opinions, case studies global perspectives and material relevant to product development technology solutions and processes. Over 50,000 industry professionals in executive and engineering management receive concept to reality. That's from their website right now. So they've been doing this for over 10 years and they're still targeting the exact same audience, executive and engineering management, which was the initial goal when we started with them back over 10 years ago. They publish this just two times a year delivered to, uh, the management level people. Now, it took until about the third or fourth issue, as consistent it takes time to do this, for them to really start seeing results. But what happened was pretty amazing, I thought. So now, when a salesperson from Altair called into a certain company, they were seeing more positive response. People were actually calling them back after they started sending out the issues. Executives ended up knowing who Altair was because of the magazine. They were interested in it. They were reading it. More executives took these calls because they truly actually enjoyed the magazine. Now, also, with key prospects at Altair, um, they were able to set up interviews and do stories Before they actually became customers, which oftentimes ended up in business for Altair. And we've talked about this plenty on this show. A print magazine is awesome if you want to get interviews with executive people. Like oftentimes when you try to get a a blog interview with somebody, they'll say, that's just a blog. But if you say, we would like you uh, to interview you for Chief Content Officer Magazine, they never turn you down. Right. So anyways. But the biggest benefit for the magazine – was really paving the way for the sales team to get in the door, and with all the competition out there, the magazine became their differentiator in the marketplace. Now the magazine continues to to deliver on that goal and talk directly to engineering executive management. now at the same time, they have multiple blogs this is so this is once they launched the magazine, then they started to look online. Talking to engineers, this is a separate audience, and they have multiple blogs targeting engineers. So, for example, one of their product groups is called Altair Product Design, and they have a blog content brand, as Andrew Davis would say, called Enlighten. Now, the mission statement right on their homepage, I love this. It says, the mission statement is, it strives to be the world's leading resource for useful, informative, and inspirational content concerned with minimizing the weight of products across industry. I
1: love <laughs> right. I love that. Right.
0: It's just right. so specific. So they're not competing
1: with BuzzFeed, you're saying? No, they're, they're not. Okay. Exactly. They're just very
0: specific. Right. They picked out a sweet spot in a content tilt. They, they could actually be the leading expert in the world, and they've been doing that for years. And by the way, most of the content is generated by Altair staff as well as customers. Now, overall, I absolutely love the strategy of focusing on one simple sales problem and executing on it consistently over time and a very worthy this old marketing example. absolutely love that.
1: Absolutely love that. It reminds me so much of the Indium
0: case, but Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, I mean what they and it's funny. I like, love I,
1: the I, fact that they've trans, it's a transmedia strategy right there across print and digital. It's 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 really great and customer centricity.
0: Fo- but I love the audience focus. It's like this yeah. the magazine is specifically for engineering management and they have multiple uh, I mean Altair product design or the Enlightened blog is just one of their blogs. They have a number of blogs internationally as well targeting just the engineers focused on certain niche themes, which is really smart. Dig it. So and there you go. Yeah, that'd love it. I absolutely so okay, so you're what's
1: what's what's up with you this week?
0: Uh, I'm in town this week. Where, uh, <laughs> I think you and I are working on content tech. I'm, uh, I'm in PowerPoint heard, hell believe, right you now. Know, okay. I just heard we have over 4,000 attendees at Oh my gosh, tech. look Isn't at that. Isn't that something? Yeah, that so, is. and by the way, there's still time to sign up. It's on, uh, let's see, fr- February 24th. So go to contentmarketinginstitute.com slash events to get more information. In a couple weeks, we have Intelligent Content Conference, as we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Uh, sure. March 7th through 9th in Las Vegas. And... Uh, and all, and you know, also that's enough for now. I mean, uh, yeah, wait, 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 exactly. Are you traveling anywhere this week?
1: I'm not. No, I am heads down in PowerPoint hell. I am I am working on my presentations feverishly <clears throat> for intelligent content, um, which I'm speaking at uh, three times actually. So I'll have my workshop uh which is done. That workshop is done. But my keynote, I'm finishing up and then my session which I'm still working on a bit. Um and uh and then yeah, and then I get on the road after that. Right after Intelligent Content I get, I go I go out on the road from there.
0: Yeah, well, after ICC that's when I'm on the road like crazy. So you and I in in late March and April. It's going to be, be fun interesting, trying right. to coordinate. But we at least we have today. We have 119. Yeah, we, we have today. And everything is to fine share. today. <laughs>
1: Exactly. So, all right. Well, that is it. then for Lord Robert Rose, then uh, Joe Polizzi, this is we're signing off. Tweet us up. Won't you hashtag this old marketing? Follow us there. It's just a great, 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 wonderful hashtag to talk about and send us these stories. We so appreciate your contributions to the show, especially when you send us the This Old Marketing examples. We absolutely love it. Or if you've got a question and email is your jam, well, send us an email, thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode, number 119, we hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All the links we talked about today on the show will be available in the show as it publishes on Monday evening. Evening, and, of course, on the show post on thisoldmarketing.com on Saturday. Until then, everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.